Thanks for listening. I give a shit. Everyone gives a shit these days. You can't avoid it. There's so much to actually give a shit about. Uh, anyway, um, I'm, I'm so grateful for you listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And I want to tell you, it says, you know what it says on here? It says, please read on live show. And you're allowed to announce this in your own words or read the copy. So I'm going to just tell you in my own words what you need to know. And the most important thing you need to know is that we are having the most awesome, rocking, crazy, weird-ass party fundraiser on Sunday. And it starts at uh, 5.30. That's Sunday the 21st. And it's in a secret location in Bushwick. Um, I'm just going to tell you that I know a little bit about the location, and it's really a radical location. And um, I, I like parties a lot. But I have to say, the Radio Free Brooklyn parties are the best. This is the whole reason I'm part of this station, frankly. So come to the party. It's Sunday, May 21st, 530. It's at, you have to, it's at a secret location. So you have to RSVP at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash tickets to be emailed the exact address. And we're having these really, like this band, um, you know, I don't talk about music a lot on the show, but I know everybody is having having uh, connections that we have. The Bushwick Hotel is a very big band on, and we also have Love Honey, The Falling Birds, and we have Radical Host Vaude- Vaudeville, hosted by Faceboy. There's going to be some uh, near-naked women, I think, dancing around. You guys like that. We all like Who doesn't like How could you not like that? Okay. It's $10, which is, like, not a lot. And if you're really poor and uh, you say, like, I really don't have the 10 bucks, like, we, you, you could definitely talk them into that if you're really poor. But you got to, like, don't be, like, dressed up really well if you're going to do that. Okay. So, once again, RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash tickets. Or you can uh, email me at DrLisa at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. Um. You know, um, well, I was going to just say this. I was going to say how um, I don't really want to talk about clown car, but the one thing that I do really like is that I am personally getting um, this um, Schadenfraud vicarious thrill over seeing him go down in going down hard because there have been many, many people, and you know who you are, that I'm angry and bitter at from my career in advertising that uh, I would like to see get taken down the same way. So I'm actually, look how nasty and angry I am. I'm, I, I apologize because I know it's really unhealthy, but I'm just being honest, and I bet you feel the same way a bit. I bet you do. Let's get down to business. Today is a very, 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 very big day. My best friend uh, forever in the whole world, Margot Berwin is on the radio. My guest, hello, Margot. Hi, Lisa. Now, Margot uh, is an awesome writer and has written a bunch of novels published by Random House. You can go to you know look it up. Um, we'll have her tell you about them. But um, the reason she agreed to be on the show today was because. Uh, it was my birthday last week, and she said she would answer my questions about myself 
because as you know, normally I talk about I talk to my guest about my guest, but I actually invited a guest who's an expert on me to talk about me. You're also welcome to call in and ask your own questions, either of her or me. So if you want to call in, call in at 718-928-9732. 718-928-9732. So remember about the party, right? Sunday. It's Sunday. So you come. Everybody's invited. It's such a great party, and you'll get a chance to meet all the hosts. And there's a lot of new hosts because it's season five. Okay, there I did that. So, Margo, hi. Can you believe we're doing this? No, I can't believe we're doing How this. How hilarious is this? It's awesome, and I'm I, ready. Ask I, me anything. I never have friends on. I really don't. You know that, right? I know that. Isn't that weird? So, this is, like, weird that I actually have, like, I mean, I have some friends on, but it's usually, like, I had Katerina, who I consider a very good friend, but we talked about something that has nothing to do with our friends, well, you know, about what she's doing. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. Okay, so um, let's see how this goes. Uh, first of all, I wanted to let people know how we how we met, and you can kind of comment on the story. So we met, um, I think you were 20, it was 1988, and I think you were 26 and I was 31, something like 32, 34? 24. You, you were 24. You can talk. <laughs> I was 24. Correct you, me. She's showing 32. me number. Say you fucking idiot. Say you, you fucking, fucking idiot. idiot. You were 32. I was 24. How you can you remember? Forget? Yeah. Okay. There. Now we got it going on. Uh, okay. So you were 24. Um, and I was 32 or, or whatever. But anyway, uh, so, uh, I mean, Margo, Margo and I have told this story, or she's heard me tell my version of it, which is basically that we were two young women working in an ad agency in the basement somewhere, and we had our own offices. We had these big offices for freelancers, and Margo was this really beautiful, scowling woman sitting in a corner all the time that I would walk past, and I'd be like, what is she doing here? Why does she look so, I don't know, what's her deal? And then um, I think somebody had told you that I won this advertising contest. I might have talked about it on the air or whatever, which is a whole other story. And you kind of knew that and you talked to me about it. And I was like, she's talking to me now. What the hell? And then, like, we became, like, best friends immediately, right? Immediately. I was the angry one. You were the weird one. (laughs) No one talked to either of us at the ad agency. So we were kind of forced to talk to each other. Right, right. But you you hung there. You had more, you were more, you were more empowered. You were much more empowered. I wore, like, a white wife beater and Lisa wore crazy colored stockings and everyone avoided us. Yeah, yeah, those two. We weren't. We weren't even really working together. We were just freaks that everybody knew we were freaks. We couldn't believe we got jobs. Yeah. We had jobs. Yeah, we had jobs. They hired us. They hired us. And it was good money. It was great. Probably the best money we ever made. We were making like minimum 500 a day or something, right? At least, yeah. Can you believe that, folks? And look at us. Look at me now. Marga's doing great. You kidding? Look at me. I'm here in the middle of the afternoon talking to you, you people. But you're handling all this technology. I'm so impressed. I know. I impressed Margo because she doesn't see me as like handling this text so well. So I wrote down some questions that I thought would be fun for, I mean, why we couldn't have this conversation off the air is actually probably just as interesting. I was just going to say, this feels like every day with us, except we have headphones on. No, no, but I'm going to ask you these questions, but I don't know. I don't know if we're going to really go down this list, but let's go get started and we'll see what it, 
what, where it goes, okay? So the first question I have that I was going to ask you, so anyway, I just want you guys to know that like Margot and I have known each other, for, we have each other's black boxes, we like to say, we have been close for 31 years. She was made of honor at my wedding. Um, we have been through all sorts of life changes together. And uh, we we are experts on each other, certainly, right? Yes, yes, As definitely. much as anybody. Yes. For me, at least. More than anybody. Okay, all right, okay. So, and Margot has been witness to a, a fairly, mm, I mean, not, not like you, of course. Margot was always the pretty one. You know, we would go out and meet guys, and Mar- Margot would be the pretty one, and I'd be the obnoxious one with the big mouth. That <laughs> Margot would would like would like lure them in and I would scare them away. And then I wouldn't understand why they didn't like me and they like her, but I get it now. I understand that now. Um anyway, so Margot has seen me um through I was single for a the I mean until like single meaning single and dating for like all through my 30s and my early 40s and stuff. So there's a lot of guys I dated that Margot met. That's what I'm telling. So I was going to ask you, of course, putting Phil aside, yes. Um, which guy do you think I might have wound up with that I was dating, that I've dated? Immediately two come into my mind. Oh, great. No. <laughs> the first one is Steve Newman. Really? Even though you ended up in his bathtub with a broken glass in there. <laughs> <laughs> and this on the phone with me saying, I can't get out of the bathtub. I broke a glass in here. It's drinking wine in the bathtub. Drinking wine in the in bathtub. In his bathtub. <laughs> and the second one would be Michael Katchen. Really? Yes. Interesting. Um, Michael Katchen and Lisa and I used to hang out at the Mars Bar, and I always thought that you and Michael were a good couple. Sorry, Phil. Phil, you're the best, the best. But Michael Katchen, for sure. Really? Yeah. Why? Why? Well, I remember when you first met Michael Katchen, and we were sitting at a bar called the International in Tribeca. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lisa was wearing a little green dress. I can't believe you remember this. With Elvis... Presley faces all over it. And yeah, I love that. Cute fact. little Mary Janes, which I loved on her little cute feet. Aww. And she had just dyed her hair black at the time. Oh, man. And we were sitting outside and it started to rain. And she'd had a fight with Michael Ketchin. And the dye started to drip out of her hair onto her green dress. And her, because she was crying, her eye, her mascara was <laughs> dripping off. I don't her remember eyes. any of this. That's <laughs> so awesome. Lisa was just dripping black in the rain outside of international bar and that's how i think of michael Katchen. he made you cry the timing was off there he had because he had just well i don't know and and steve newman i really liked him i yeah. thought we got along really well but he wasn't that nice did you think he was a little like i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say none of the guys you dated were that nice oh okay really? <laughs> that wasn't their See major quality <laughs> really you don't think they were that nice to me I don't think they were, it wasn't personal to you. I just don't think they were like the nicest people. A little on the arrogant side. Arrogant. Yeah. You think they were arrogant because yeah. I go for arrogant guys because of my dad. Because of your dad. Because yeah. of my dad. Okay, we got that straight. Um, we love Phil. He's got a nice size ego. We're we not saying Phil. anything about Phil because Phil is so many years after Michael Katchen or Steve Newman, like so many years later that he's not even, you changed and grew. So you weren't yeah. going for arrogant anymore. Yeah, no, Phil, Phil, Phil and I have been positive influences for the most part. Except maybe the marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm really the worst at. Um, anyway, uh, what do you think, um, what were you going to say? Something? Do you agree that those were the two? I'm just curious if you agree with I'd have to go through the list, but I would say that um, as far, yeah, I mean, I can totally, 
I thought Steve Newman and I got along. Like, I always felt like we communicated really well. Um, Me too. I didn't think that he was the nicest guy. I don't think he would nearly, he would never have been the husband that Phil is. But I think that we, we had a similar sensibility. Well, it was also the one moment in time where your boyfriend and my boyfriend were friends. Yeah. So it was, so I remember him well. Right. That's true. Because you had this really, Margo had this really handsome black boyfriend and they were gorgeous, blonde and dark, light, dark. Ugh, horrible. (laughs) For me. Like, they're perfect. Look at me. I'm with this guy who doesn't even like me, and he's got a huge nose and weird. <laughs> he was cute. Steve Newman was, was cute. He was really, really? good. Yeah. Really? So. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. He was, yeah, anyway. Uh, all my old boyfriends are married with kids now, too. Isn't yes. that funny? Yes. Okay. So my mother was a huge um, influence in my life. We know this. And um, she was really difficult. And um, I. She died when I was, how old was I? I was, my father died when I was 40, 41, and my mom died, I think it was 2003. Was I 47 or 50, 47, something like that? So, okay, so can you comment on how, what I was like before and after my mother's death? Like, have I changed it? How did it affect me? What effect did my mom have on me? Stuff like that. Ding dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> I used to think that. Did I ever say that to yes, you? Yes, used to say that to me all the time. <laughs> That's why I said it. I think before and after, a huge difference. Really? And after. Uh, first of all, you know, when your mom died, I'm not sure if this is true or not. Were you dating Sam Feldman at that time? Yes. Okay, yes, so yes. you were dating Sam Feldman at the time your mom died. No, no, my father, not oh, my your mother. Father, not You're right, mother. I was dating Phil. When your mom died? Yep. You had just started dating Phil, kind mm, of. Kind of. Okay. So when your mom died, before your mom died... You were, I think, a lot um, less, a little spacier. Like your mind was a little bit different. And Hmm. after your mom died, you got really sharp. Hmm. Like that changed in you quite a bit. Hmm. You know what I think? That's really interesting. I think that um, that was really just a sense of confidence because I think that... um, I agree. I always question myself so much and I think that I couldn't get out of that. I couldn't resolve the questioning that I that I actually knew what I was doing, why my mother was alive, and now I can finally like actually get there, but it's still a process. <laughs> you became you after your mom died, I think. So you don't think I could have been myself when my mother was alive? I think you were so you've been so awesome all the time like I love you so much Aww. and I think every phase yeah. has been incredible, but after your mom died, yeah, you just you just like everything kind of gelled together. You were more integrated. More integrated. My, you know, Phil said that I used to obsess about my mother. Did I talk about her a lot? Do you remember me talking about her a lot? Every day, pretty much. And what was your impression? What that she I... was really mean to you. Really? And jealous of you. And jealous. Interesting. A lot like, of physical stuff, like she didn't want you wearing bathing suits, and she was kind of, re- kind of calling you a slut in certain ways. Always. Yeah, always. Okay, always. <laughs> I didn't know if I should go there, but always. <laughs> so you, you felt like she was, did you see like that I was somebody who was being undermined by her and, and couldn't do anything about oh, it? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. That must have been frustrating. I think you were undermined by your entire family. Not just, I think your mom was the queen bee, <laughs> but I think every, no one was really? awesome in that situation. What do you yeah. mean you think that they were all a team? I think they, yeah, especially your mom and probably your brother. Yeah. 
My mom and my brother were the team, yeah. and then my father just Your father kind of, was a little bit, yeah. Huh. This is so interesting, because I'm talking about myself. This is so much fun for me. me this too. is what I've been doing the whole... This is what I did the whole two years of this state. This is like my hundredth and something show, because just waiting for this. Um, okay, so what do you think is the biggest... What event do you think has had the biggest ev- impact on me in my life? Is there one event that that really stands out? Or maybe even a couple if you want. I don't know if I could say them on the air. I think certain things happened in your childhood that I think were really big events that colored everything in your life. Really? Yeah, yeah. same on the air. Go ahead. With your brother? Oh, okay. Not going to say that on the air. But I think there was an event in your childhood. As an adult, I think winning the competition for... Um, Hebrew National was pretty big. $83,000 making up an ad. Yeah, I think that was really big. I think it gave you a lot of confidence and that was pre your mother dying. So it it helped boost you and it also gave you enough to buy or help buy an apartment. Well, it gave me, I realize this now, I've only realized this recently because what happened was I wound up, you know, with taxes, it was 47, but I spent seven and I wound up keeping, I was broke at the time and I wound up keeping $40,000, $40,000, which I put in the bank, and I always had that money from when I was 31. So even though like I had ups and downs in my career, I always had money in the bank, which I eventually bought an apartment with when I needed it. And uh, when I got kicked out of my rent stabilized appointment, so I did, it actually gave me a lot of stability that I didn't even realize at the time. A lot of stability. Bigger. Yeah. And when you own an apartment, there's so many things you have to take care of. Like it, it just like grew you up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's something very... um affirming about having about having my own place yeah I owning agree. an apartment feeling like because i think like you're good at handling um pretty big things like uh medical things and stuff like that but um like security has been an issue for you so yeah. anything that helps you in that way has been kind of big right 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 because it's really hard for me to feel secure with my family yeah exactly um okay and um Let's see. I was also going to say, so what do you think is the biggest improvement I've made in my life? You just keep on improving. And I'm not saying that because Lisa's my best friend (laughs) forever and ever. I'm saying that because you just keep constantly getting better. Like even just walking in here today, I'm still blown away. Wow. Yeah. You just keep improving, 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 getting better and better. I mean, I think you're an incredible artist. I don't know if any of you have not checked out Lisa's work. Check it out. It's amazing. Um, great painter. Just really smart, brilliant, great uh, friend. Great friend. Awesome, awesome. Uh, friend. Uh, 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 uh. But um, is there like one thing that, I mean, I guess, I mean, what do you think are the most, um, like, are there specific incidences? Of what? Of like specific like what do you see as like my life changing are there life changing moments like my father dying my mother dying I think um I want to say getting married but I'm not going to because I don't actually think it was because it was a really long process to getting there Mm -hmm. so I think the actual wedding (laughs) you know I think um I guess that's life changing for everybody I think there's been certain art shows that you've done that have helped you also with security and feeling really confident within yourself mm-hmm. like the the nude toilet mm-hmm. um show i right. think was really really good you also did a show when you were 
younger where you put bill you rented billboards in Manhattan. Built a billboard, yeah. That was all that stuff. Like your your life has been like this push to be secure in who you are. And the interesting thing is you're one of the most you're one of the people I know who puts themselves out there the most. In other words, for someone who feels insecure, you really know how to put yourself out there. So it's it's always been tough. Are you insecure or not? Wow. I always feel like I don't think anyone's paying attention, so I'm not afraid. Of being loud and, and broad, which is, inc- that's an incredible gift. Well, I guess so, yeah. I mean, you know, once you're on the, but thank you for saying, that's good. I should, I should, I, I'm, I'm going to replay this back so, as eventually so I can internalize all this because it's way too much for me right now. You understand, we understand. Oh, yeah. But thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, whatever. Uh, so, um, what do you think the most challenging thing for me is what are, like tell me something and I know it's probably not like I know it's not gonna be like easy to say or something like that but be you know I can take it I you know don't be really mean but fuck it say it I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna be mean it's not in me no I know that I know that I'm and just I say kidding. that not even as a good thing it's just it's not no I know that's nature, why it, that's you know? why we're friends that's why <laughs> that's why we're having this talk <laughs> okay so you want to know something about yourself that is, I is feel could still be working. Something on? that I'm doing that's self-destructive to me. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to tell people about the call-in number while you're thinking. How's okay. that? I got Seven, it. I got the answer. Okay, 718-928-9732. If you want to know anything about my sex life or anything at all, call in and ask us. Oh, we haven't discussed your sex life. Oh, okay. Somebody call in and ask about the sex life. Well, I have a feeling we're going to be talking about it <laughs> next. I think that if I was to say one thing, that sometimes you want to know something and you will ask me something and you kind of want me to take your side on something, whether it's an argument with Phil or an argument at work. But the second I do, you take the opposite side and it drives me nuts. <laughs> I got to work on that. <laughs> Have you ever heard that before? Did you know that about I yourself? I think you've told me that before. <laughs> Still doing it. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> but do I do that? And I do that with other people. Yep. Have other people? Co- no, I'm no. not asking you that. I'm not asking you that. But um, no, that, that was actually the next question. What do I need to work on? That's really annoying to you. But what I was going to say, like, is there things that I, like, like Phil says that, you know, I don't promote my work enough or I don't believe in myself enough or is there anything like that that you see like in my in my nature that's self-destructive? I think when it comes to your art and your artwork, you're not self-destructive. You don't? No. Oh, that's good. No, I think you're pretty, I mean, it's hard to promote your own work for every artist. It's always right. a challenge. I think you do a pretty good job of it. I think so it. too. Yeah. I've I'm, been told I do. I think you do a great job yeah. of it. Well, I think what Phil means is that um, I should make work that's about the market more. Well, that's different than promoting the work. Yeah. That's you, talking about the work you you're making. Do you agree with that? No. You, you can never make work that's about the market. Or for the market. You're, you're, you'll never make good work that way because the market you the market is ever changing you can't nail Mm -hmm. the market down if people could everybody would be famous artists i mean you (laughs) you know that's impossible you you have to create the market you can't follow the market you got to be ahead of the market Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um oh so i was going to say so is there anything like that you see in me that's self-destructive like if lisa could just blah 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 she'd be getting further ahead I think I still think it goes back to the same thing it's always been, but it's less and less and less every year. But I think if Lisa could, 
um, completely believe in, if you could completely believe in yourself and not invite other people as often into your thinking process because your thinking process is awesome <laughs> and you often undermine it by including other people's thinking who's, who are not as awesome <laughs> and it gets a little watered down. So you, I know you never agree with my saying that we've had this conversation. No, actually, <laughs> but no, no, but it's really good hearing this right at the moment and right here in this moment. This is helpful hearing it, hearing it now because I'm hearing it, I'm hearing it uh, on the radio. I'm hearing it. No, I, I'm actually... I think I'm getting ready, ready to take that in. You have a really original mind. So as soon as you take someone else's mind in, you're watering down your originality. Mm -hmm. Do you think I'm sometimes a magnet for people who want to like get in my brain and play and get their name on it? Well, I don't know about that, but often you, it seems like you're a magnet for that because you will come right out and ask people. Yeah. For their input on something that you're way better than them at doing. Mm -hmm. So it's a little tricky, you know, because mm -hmm. I believe your mind is very original. It's original in that it's unusual. So you're never going to get outside input that's as good as it. Mm. Interesting. I don't see that. You know that I don't see myself that way. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you want to talk about my sex life? Sure, but you have to, I'm not, you got to ask those questions. Here's the thing, I'll totally ask you, but I think my sex life has been kind of boring. Um, I mean, it, relatively, because, like, I think that, I mean, I've had my share of one-night stands, uh, but not a lot, and I've also, um, I mean, I've had a few, like, kinky things here and there. I think my sex life is really boring. Do you? Well, I think your <laughs> sex life has been interesting. Really? A in, er, er, little bit earlier on, like I'd say that um, you had some interesting experiences with JR. JR? Yeah. Really? Like what? Well, I think he was odd. I think you've chosen some men who are odd in their sexuality and you really? put up with it. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't see it that And Mark. Someone, and Mark. Mark was a little weird. And even Sam was a little weird. There was a few. I think Sam was very conventional. I think he was weird in that he was so conventional. He was, or maybe yeah. Sam was a little conventional. Maybe with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. We did share a sort of a share someone. <laughs> not at the same time. But no, we did no, share very someone. different. Yeah, not, 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 not at all. Uh, there was we. Lisa and I did go to an event where we met some people in a bar. And in the old Max Fish. And we Yeah, that's ended a great up, story. Why don't you tell that story? We were just hanging out, you know, drinking as usual at Max Fish. And we but met, in the real Max Fish. In the Fish, real Max Fish. Yeah, a long the, time ago, yeah. In the, like, early 90s. Yeah. When Max Fish was 80s. like a bunch of card tables. <laughs> yeah. And we met some people there, some guys, and they said, do you want to come back to our apartment and we'll all we won't touch each other but we'll all sit around naked and we'll we told just, them that. we told oh we, we told them that. we asked oh, them that we, we said them that. no when, this is how i remember remember like they were they were like two guys and they seemed like kind of okay cute they were cute. cute they were cute and uh they were like do you want to get some beer and go back to you know they lived in the neighborhood and we were like cool and then on the way over i said margo why don't we tell them that um we are all going to take off our clothes, but we they can't touch each touch us. Right. So that's what we did. We got to their apartment, which was really I remember one of their apartments being kind of nice. It was like some it was in the neighborhood, but it was kind of nice. And we got in and we just all 
took off all our clothes and hung around all night just chatting and stuff. One of them ended up touching me, though, remember? And then I ran yeah. out. <laughs> you you left your shoes on. I remember that. Do you remember I, I that? I left my shoes on? You oh, left your shoes hilarious. on. I was like, Margo, figures. She's cheating. She that's, left her shoes and on. You her legs the, look better. You were the first one to get naked. Oh, surprise there. Like, off, off with the clothes. What's a surprise there? <laughs> And I remember because one of them wasn't circumcised, right? Yes, and we were talking to them about that, about why he yeah. wasn't. <laughs> that was awesome. We wasn't were inspecting it? their penises, talking about them. We were not. We were not. Um, you know, I don't, were we being nice? Were we not? We don't no, care. we were being. I thought. Well, we took our clothes we, off. We, yeah, that was nice enough. Them. That was nice enough. Sure. Yeah, uh, but. I think what was really funny, too, because they weren't used to being naked together. No, they weren't. <laughs> they were shyer with each other than they were with us, which was so weird. They wouldn't look at each other. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, because they were homophobes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I bet they've still, I bet they're talking about that right now. They're still masturbating to that. About each I other. About so. each other. Not I us. am. And I think that was the first time you and I saw each other naked as well. Really? Well, been very no, no, because I think I took those pictures of you naked before that. Oh no, that was after. That, that. was after. Yeah. But also, like the thing is, it's it is rare that you do get to um, to chat to like really, you know, you're never like hanging out naked in, that often, so you're not you know, exactly. We yeah. got to chat, just hang out naked and talk like we were just chatting. Yeah, yeah. I want to remind people that they're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. I have to do. It's not that I have to. I have to, but I want to because I want to let people know that they're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And they're, I'm Dr. Lisa, and Dr. Lisa gives a shit. I'm here with my friend, my BFF, Margot Berwin, who's been my BFF for 30 years. And we're discussing uh, all the things about me that, uh, that you know, I want to know. I want to know. I want answers. Um, and I want to remind you to come to our um, party on um, Sunday, May 21st at 5.30 at a very cool location. It's a secret. You have to RSVP at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash tickets. And uh, we're going to have bands like Bushwick Hotel, Crazy, Love Honey, The Falling Birds, and rat- we're having some vaudeville, radical vaudeville. Um. Okay, so um, what else? What else should we talk about? Um, you know, because those were the major questions, and I'm trying to think of what, what, what. I mean, I think about like what I'm thinking. Where I was trying to think of, like where, where all that's. I'm digesting it all, but I think it's like. I mean, I think that we, you and I, are very, very fortunate that we have this relationship. I well, I was just thinking that now because I was thinking about Tom. Tom is my ex husband, and Lisa. Did you work for him at one point? Was no, he- we all worked in the same agency. Worked in the same agency. I had was- gone on a job interview with him when we was at MTV like 10 years before we all, before you, you met him. That's what it was. That's right. And I was thinking, God, I never would have gotten through that whole time period if it wasn't for you. I really don't think I would have gotten through really? my marriage. Yeah. Really? I didn't know that. Why is that? Because having a friend who's such a close friend... It's very stabilizing. Really? Yeah. See, I didn't know this at all. I was not aware. I mean, honestly, the way I see it is that um, Tom was very possessive. Yeah, just just a tad, a smidge. Didn't, and I don't think he. I was his favorite person. He didn't like you because I was close with you. Yeah, and also I was like, uh, yeah, I was like on the wrong team. And he wanted everybody on his team, and I was on your team, and right? Yes. And he didn't like that. 
So that was cool. I mean, I got it. I didn't take it personally. So I don't feel that that involved in that period of your life. I mean, I, I was aware of it, but I didn't feel that involved. Well, you weren't because I was like Rapunzel locked in the tower up there. <laughs> yeah, and you would have, I mean, since we're talking about it, I mean, you you guys had part. You guys didn't invite me. to. He did not want me around. He and I did knew not. it. I knew it. Yeah. I thought that was a tough period. It was a tough period for me too because you're my best friend and I was married to someone who I didn't know wouldn't like you and the only he didn't even know you the reason he didn't like you is because we were close right anything that became between he and I was like a no-go but it was very important to me that you were there like just just like spiritually just like you know you were there I was consistent well that's see isn't that good to hear folks this this is like you were with Tom for seven years or something a long large part of part of this but you know see from my point of view you were always out having a great time because Tom had like parties and he he was doing really well i mean he was a big ad guy he had really cool you guys had cool friends marissa alcacella who's married she's like a rock star oh no but for me they weren't my friends they were tom's friends and he i had to like hang out with his friends look just just i'm just going to say this about myself since i'm talking about this on the radio and that i'm really different now because i think i was much more hidden then and I yeah. was a little bit more I was passive with him I'm not passive anymore whatsoever at all but back then I was pre-therapy a little bit much more passive no, with men you're with a different my person father, my father <laughs> no totally I married my father <laughs> well see that's the thing I mean I think that you and I have been um consistent with we're consistent with each other so I think that like um the way that we've related to men has changed a lot more than I mean, some of, of course, it influences and is part of how we relate to each other. But I think, uh, you know, our relationships with men, I mean, like my relationship with Phil right now, like if you look at my relationships when I was at that point in my life. Also passive. Yeah, come yeah. on. Yeah, That's maybe young I, women are just freaking passive with men. I don't know. I think I think it's hard for them. Yeah, and I think you, in a sense, were never as passive in a certain way as I was with men. I had a passive mother. You had an aggressive mother. So I think you were never quite as passive. And I learned a lot from you about not being passive with men. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. You've been great in that way. You know, I'm sure you've learned a lot of things from me. Oh, yes. This being about you, I definitely learned how to, like you do what you're going to do. In your relationship with Phil and with other relationships you've had, Nothing gets in your way of doing what you oh, want to do, which is that? huge. That's a huge thing. But I feel like I'm compromising a lot. Well, you have to compromise in a relationship. Come on. I mean, but you basically, if you want to do something, you want to do a radio show, you want to do an art show, you want to do whatever you want to do, you're going to do it. Yeah. And that I guess is so. like a pretty, that's pretty deep. There's not a lot of people, it's not a lot of women who are really like that. And I really appreciate that about you a lot. <laughs> Oh, that's so encouraging. I mean, that that's really helpful to hear that. Um, I think that, um, what was I going to say? I was going to say that I think that um, uh, you trust men more than I do because you were brought up mostly by your dad, yeah. see? And yeah. you were like, you know, your dad, you were daddy's girl. You were just, I trusted all the wrong ones, though. Well, I mean... You okay. trusted the right ones. No, no. I mean, well... I think there I think that like if I had trusted men more I would have probably had a relationship a lot 
I would have had better relationships when I was younger. You had a long one when you were young, though, David Cantor. You were with him for like 13 years. No, I was with him seven years. Oh, you were seven. Okay. Yeah, but I that mean, was before he was, I knew her, so forget. So forgive the error. No, but <laughs> listen, folks, he was 13 years older than That's I was, okay. and I was definitely like the kid. I mean, I found out his sister used to refer to me as the baby and uh, I did not have a lot of say over things. He made a lot of money. I made no money. And that's why I eventually broke up with him, which was actually right before I met you, Margo, right which before. was actually yeah. probably the hugest growth experience I've ever had, actually. You broke up we with probably David and then met me. Met you, and we probably <laughs> wouldn't have been friends. Probably not. Yeah, because that was the first time I actually had my own apartment to myself. What a great apartment that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a great apartment yes. on Carmine Street. Yes. Yeah, we spent a lot of fun time there. A lot of fun time. Was that where you threw your suit out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. Can I tell I know, it? Can yeah, I tell go it? ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Lisa got a job in advertising and needed a, you know, like a suit. It was the 80s. She needed a suit to wear to work. So we went and spent the whole day looking for a suit. I swear, we spent the whole day trying on and looking for a suit, we bring it back to her apartment, put it down, so we think, and about a half hour later, she's like, where's the suit? And we're looking around, we take apart the whole apartment, we're looking for the suit, where's the suit, where's the suit, there's no suit, and then Lisa realizes she threw it down the trash receptacle. <laughs> yeah, because... She really didn't want to work. Because <laughs> I was like... It looked stupid on me, but I did it subconsciously. And she then was I conflicted. Kept, and I had this tiny apartment. I looked everywhere for it. I couldn't find it. So it was just so symbolic and so, so real. That was the, uh, the reason I remember that story so well is that was one of the very first times we hung out alone. Oh, really? So you must have I, thought. It, it was embedded. That story is embedded because we had become friends. And then you know how when you make a friend, you slowly start to hang out more and more. That was the first time I'd been in your apartment. So I remember that episode really really well yes i thought it yeah, was hilarious it was, i know because <laughs> it was just such a like it was so telling yeah it was such a perfect description of like me wanting to be normal and not just not just also not just being, being conflicted able to, about work <laughs> like that yeah work has always been a much bigger issue emotionally for me because yes. uh i wasn't my mother used to like make me feel like I was when I was a kid I used to get fired from I had to have a job but I would get fired from every job and then my mother would like make me feel like I was going to get fired right before I went to work every day and so that's why I would get fired oh and also your mother called your father the, the boss, boss. <laughs> that didn't help yeah and my father used to talk to me like he he was addressing a meeting he never <laughs> My father never, like, he wouldn't talk to me like I was a kid, like, ah, well, uh, he talked to me in this really formal way. Like, if Donald Trump could master that, he'd be running the country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> her father was the boss, and therefore, every boss she ever had was her father. Yeah, so right. It was, bad, exactly. it was a bad so dynamic bad. at work. So <laughs> bad. bad dynamic. So bad. I'm healing that now with my part-time job. That's what, that's what I'm doing for myself. I think it's really healing. Okay, so how about the best decision, the worst decision I ever made? Can you think of one? It doesn't have to be like, it could be anything. It could be like, it doesn't have to be life-altering. It could be like a, a job I took, a boyfriend I dated, clothing I bought. This is so... Um complicated because I can think of 
like a thousand decisions you've made. Like I can't even narrow this down properly. To the best one. What are the decisions I've made that pop up in your mind? How's that? There are some decisions that you made about um, clothing. (laughs) (laughs) That were really bad? I was going to say really good, but okay. Well, you know me. Okay, say the good ones, then say the bad ones. Give me a couple of good ones. I remember going to Patricia Fields with you a long time ago, Uh and you buying a dress there. Do you remember the dress? The red, white, and blue one? Yeah. Oh, man, was that an awesome dress? That was an awesome, awesome dress. I mean, it still stands out in my mind. Yeah, it was so great. It was like a piece of art, and it 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 had some side boobs. It had side boob, and you introduced me to that store, and I'll oh, never so, forget that it. Store. They ended up doing the makeup at my wedding. Oh, yeah, 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 That place yeah. was so yeah. awesome, and I remember that. And I, other clothing decisions that you made, I remember the green dress with the Mary Janes, so clear, oh, yeah. so bright and clear in my head. Everyone loved that dress. Um, some bad dress decisions probably were like, you know, kind of dowdier work decisions that may have gotten carried over into a party or two. <laughs> <laughs> but um, other than that, I think about clothes when I think about you. Cause you really? Yeah, because you look very individual. So oh, really? I think about clothing Oh, I think way. of you about you that way. Yeah. That's so interesting. We're both We've similar. influenced each other. Our styles are not similar, but we both are individual about clothing. How about my social skills? Those have improved a lot. Oh, you're you're not even the same person. Okay, so tell everybody what I was like socially. Go ahead, you can. I don't, I'm like, I'm over myself. I mean, I'm fine. Uh, Lisa, when she was younger, was afraid of not being heard. So in social situations, we would be like out in a bar. And let's say there was a woman who came by from an advertising agency or something who we knew. Lisa would yell. She didn't know she was speaking like that loud, but she had a fear of not being heard at all. So she would project very loudly. She was really nervous. She was nervous, but the other person would run away. It would cause the other person that she was talking to to leave. And did you like Which made your self-esteem go, yes. Which made your self-esteem go down because you didn't know why the other person was leaving because you didn't realize how you were just filling up the trying space. so hard trying so hard yeah. yeah 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 so i don't do that i do that a little once in a while no so, you never yeah. do that anymore you My never boss. well you know what you have told me about it not recently but one time i think so i mean you have helped me help me with that actually i think I'm so glad. i used to do that how about with guys wasn't i very um confrontational what do you think what do you remember me like being like with guys i think with guys like this is about sex okay sex i think with guys um, like I can remember being at that bar. We weren't always in bars. So I know I'm just saying that. No, we were in bars a lot. We were in bars a lot. Okay, we were. So remember that bar in the corner of 11th Avenue and and in the 30s or 27th and 11th called Open? Was it called Open? It was that corner bar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a cool bar. That was a great bar. So we, we spent a little time at that bar. So we were hanging out there and there was a guy that you were dating who I can't remember. But you were sitting there and you would often say to me how unsexual you think you appeared you know that right. you would say to me i don't think i appear sexual to guys right but you'd be sitting so i remember this specifically at open so you're sitting in the corner you're facing the guy that you came with i was like a third wheels like me lisa and some guys she was with and you're just opening and closing your legs <laughs> just open and close and the guy's like freaking out you know really? he's like sitting there like he couldn't talk really and you're like i don't know i'm just not really sexual at all 
I don't know. I just, I don't project. I know, I don't feel like I project any sexuality. Open and close, open and close. It was like the most sexual thing. I was sexualized by it. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so do you think that, that I was repressing a lot of sexuality that I was think coming out it. in other ways? Totally. Like, yeah. I, th- I think you were really sexual in front of men. And then when you would talk to me, you would say, I just don't feel like I project any sexuality. So do you think that men um, found me appealing and I didn't know it a lot? Yes. Wow, really? Definitely. Oh, definitely. No question about it. Lisa was really also, that time, I mean, I don't remember the year that was, but I mean, you were gorgeous, totally gorgeous. And I think that um, a lot of men found you incredibly beautiful and sexy, but you couldn't, there was like such a wall around that in you, you could never understand that. So do you think Which was charming. Uh, now I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? (laughs) Wasted years of beauty. (laughs) Well, it's not just that. It's like, so do you think like if I had, do you think I, I, that, um, there are other people I would have dated if I'd had my shit together? Yeah. I mean, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? I think that's true of young people in general. Like, you have no idea what they look like. You ask young people, here's some good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're all freaking so beautiful, but nobody has any idea of that. But you, I think particularly because of your mother. Right. And that fear of being like a slut, as your mother would call you. But there you are, like in bars, like completely sexual, especially that opening, closing of the legs. That was one time, but I can remember that many, many times. And I used to wear really sexy clothes, but I didn't necessarily feel sexy in them. Right. Could you tell that? Yeah. You used to wear super short skirts and high shoes and the pussy skirt (laughs) and tight tops. And you had this incredible long crazy hair crazy beautiful red hair and you were very sexual looking full lips you know baby face very sexual looking but you had no connection to that at all mm-hmm. wow so uh we have uh 15 minutes left and i was gonna say like um so are there any questions that you might want to ask me about you oh no <laughs> Well, I guess I could ask you, I'm very curious about the same question that you asked me, which was, what do you think? Well, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> How about if we open your birthday card? Okay. That's a good idea. Okay, great. This is about, this show's for you. Ah, Margaret brought me a birthday card and birthday I actually found this card. This is how good friends we are. I actually saw this card quite a long time ago and purchased it for this birthday. It was like months ago, (laughs) which is pretty funny. And um, I think it suits. I don't know why, but when I saw it, I was like, that is, that visual is Lisa. (laughs) Wow. So I'm going to open this. Do you hear it opening? It's opening. It's It's opening. opening. And it's got a pink envelope. Oh my God! It's a chipmunk in a tutu. <laughs> it's with a with a tiara and a magic wand. It's so me. A rodent in a tutu is so Lisa. <laughs> because as as you guys know, you know uh, I was on David Letterman with Stupid Petricks. I've had hamsters, guinea pigs, rats, rats, ferrets, ferrets. You remember all the pets I've had, yes. right? And it yes. says nothing says Happy Birthday, Lisa. Like a rodent in a pink tutu. So perfect. Happy birthday, tutu, you, you. So glad you're my BFF for freaking ever. I love you, Margot. I love you too. Oh my God, this is the worst. This card, do you remember I had um, a job at a card company for a while that that went south? (laughs) Is that the card company? Yeah. (laughs) 
You worked at Avanti? Avanti. <laughs> I, I was all excited. Oh, no. <laughs> it's all right. I love it. Thank you. I was all excited when I got this job at this card company that I was going to be making greeting cards because I thought that would be perfect. And then they treated me like really shitty. Can we yeah. talk about Snuffy? Snuffy, the film that I still, I, I was thinking about entering that in something. What a great idea that was. I still, yeah, I have it. I did this, um, I made this film where I had it, my white ferret kill a white mouse. In the bathtub. In the bathtub. And it was just supposed to be a white on white with a red, red blood. And it was really interesting what happened because I thought it would be like, a snuff film, but then it was sort of like an anti-animal um, abuse, but abusing animals and anti... It was... There were a lot of levels. There were a lot of levels. There were levels to Snuffy. <laughs> yeah. So I got a, you know, a mouse, whatever. But I didn't think not to feed the uh, ferret. And so what happened was the ferret didn't quite kill it. And then I had to wind up going and getting a uh, hammer and killing it. And thank you, Revan Worman, for filming the whole thing. And then Revan, I turned to Revan, I'm like, what do I do now? And he's like, oh, I don't know, it's your film. Alicia was like, he, Were you he's the, not you were killing you. We were on the phone with me. You were like, it's not dying. <laughs> it was horrible. It was horrible. That was a horrible thing. But um, it's very, it was a very memorable thing. It was a learning experience. And it had a great, I'm a writer, so Snuffy was, you know, that is a great title. It is a great title. Yes. Yeah. No, you're inspiring me to finish editing that film and get it out there. Get Snuffy out there. And on that note, I got you a uh, an animal T-shirt. Oh, wow. Look and at it's, this. It's a really old one from Six Flags. <gasps> oh, my God. I love I this. I tried to get it. Thank I, you, you know, so You're going to probably have to cut it a little bit on this, cut the sleeves on because oh, they're going to be too big. But. Great. Okay. I'm going to be wearing this when we take our picture later. This is so... Isn't that cute? I love that top. So awesome. Vintage Six Flags with all the awesome. animals on it. I love it. It's got a giraffe and a lion and a tiger and a zebra and a monkey and some boar. Big, big, weird... Oh, it's a... Uh, Bear. It's, it's a, bear. a bear. Because aside from Snuffy, you know, Lisa is a huge animal lover. So yes. Snuffy included, actually. You, you loved both of those animals. Snuffy well, I didn't included. Get, I didn't get to know the mouse. And I got you a, a uh, another little present that I don't really know what it is, but I liked the box. Oh, so. I like the box, too. Oh, it's, an, it's a, what am I, sushi box. I don't know what it is in it's there. A, it's, a, it's like a cat. It's, it, a, cat. it's a cat. It has, mm -hmm. but I don't know what mm -hmm. it does. Mm -hmm. It's like sushi and a cat. Open it up. See looks, what's in there. Looks cool. So just to finish about my sex life. So do you think? <laughs> oh, we can go on about that. I always thought lesson. I was really, I was kind of like nerdy. Do you remember the pictures we took of you nude? Yes. That's not nerdy. But those were, there's these pictures. I post them sometimes of that Margot took of me where I was holding signs that say like, um, it, um, something like, uh, I'll sell you my body for a dollar. Yeah. They were like postcards yeah. or me sitting on a toilet with a sign that said, I'll make whatever you want as long as you'll buy it. Those this were is what best friends do for each other. <laughs> those, were, those were great photos. And those were in the 90s. Those were in the 90s, yeah. Like pre-internet. Yeah. yeah. And pre-camera, you know. But um, see, I don't think that's sexual with men. Those photographs, but they were because you used them. Afterwards, I mean, we took the pictures alone in your apartment, but you used them 
You gave them I out sold them. afterwards. Well, yeah. they were sold at Printed Matter. Yeah. yeah. But I always felt like I never actually kissed a guy. I was always waiting for them. I felt like that was... Did you, you know that? stockings and high heels on with nothing else. Those were sexy pictures. Those were sexy pictures. Those pictures were sexy. Those were sexual pictures. Very, but, yeah. But they weren't, they, they, they weren't like with a real man. They weren't in a right. real life situation. I'm not a real man. man. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. No, I mean, we were making art together. We were very in the moment. Yes. So um, it had nothing to do... I mean, it was sexual, but it was really more about the work. Yes. So, um, but the idea behind it, you know, you had the idea for it. And the idea, if you think about it, like what those pictures look like, that wouldn't come into someone's mind who wasn't really sexual. Because they are very, either way you dress yourself, the positioning on the bed with the feet up, that's, you know. No, they were really, yeah, I mean, I was naked, I had my ass out. I mean, they were very, very sexual pictures, no question. But I also think that they weren't in situation with another human. I mean, we're, we're hey. like, I uh, know. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Margo and I have never, like, fucked. <laughs> no, we never, never have. We're just really hetero. I mean, we, we, if we, if we it's fucked our, it's women, our we fucked women. <laughs> I mean, it'd be easier if we just fucked, if we, if we were homosexual. Life would have been so much easier. But we're not. So, um, anyway, so it didn't, it, there was no challenge of actually dealing with an actual. But I think you knew they'd be out, that those actual f- photographs would be out there and being made into prints. But it's, and, it's still know. very, very, um... It's still very intellectual. It's not emotionally challenging of having to deal with a male, whether they, there's no rejection. There's no acceptance and rejection that's personal. It's not sexual in that way, but it's the concept of it. Like just the mind that came up with it is. Right. Right. So, oh, well, there's definitely that. So does, does, does that kind of sexual thinking seem inconsistent with my sexuality at the time then? Yeah. In what way? I think your sexuality at the time was very hidden from you, not from anybody else, but from yourself. Mm-hmm. So you always seemed really sexual, but you perceived yourself as being totally unsexual. So do you think that, uh, which is why what I was just saying, which is why I felt safe doing those pictures, because yeah. it didn't feel threatening at all. Do you think that was threatening to other people? Um, maybe. Like at work? Yeah, Probably. Like, would, do you think it was confusing to people at work? I don't think it was confusing. I think it was, I think they took it at face value. Like, this is who you are, but you didn't see yourself. So they thought I was really sex, sexy, trying to be sexy, wanting to be, or a comfortable being sexy. Yeah, very, it, it, they just thought, wow, that's sexual. They weren't thinking she's comfortable, she's not. They're just thinking, wow, that's really sexual. And you said to me a few minutes ago, a few seconds ago, that for you it was intellectual. Those pictures are so far from intellectual. It's like they're not intellectual, actually. Huh. Well, I mean, that's how it felt to me. Right, because you intellectualized your sexuality. But you understand that it's very different having a photograph of yourself as opposed to actually being in your underwear in front of... I totally get that. And if Mm -hmm. we had taken those pictures and you never showed them to anyone, that would be one thing. But the fact that you were able to make them into cards, make them into prints, and hand them out, like that's a different, that's another thing. See, I think, I'm going to say that I think that says more more about you. Maybe. Because um, I think that um, that you can really remove yourself from from 
um, in that situation, like emotionally, you can remove yourself. It was hard for me, that situation. What do you mean? Like taking those pictures was challenging. In what way? Because it was so sexual. Really? What did you feel? You seemed very in the moment. I was totally in the moment, but I'm, I, at that time, was also really sexual. So for me, it wasn't, it was challenging because it was you, you know, and we were doing this together, and that was challenging in and of itself. Did you, I loved did the Did you have but... sexual feelings? No. Did you, were you worried about me, or were you uncomfortable? Did it feel really extreme? No. But I, what it do didn't you mean feel it was extreme challenging. to me, but it was challenging because it was you. Like, it was challenging because you weren't a stranger. Oh, and you... Were concerned that the pictures were good, or did you? No, it was just like it was very vulnerable. Like I, th- I felt like both of us were very vulnerable. We were making a, a piece of art, and we, it was like very in the moment, but it was very vulnerable. Yeah, they're great. They're, they're great. great. They're still great today. Yeah, they're still great today. So, uh, what you gave me is uh, sushi, cat, pickles, and all <laughs> in a keychain. Oh, great! <laughs> this is the craziest, weirdest thing that I have. Uh, <laughs> it's really weird. Certainly gotten as a present ever, maybe. Oh, or certainly this, certainly in the last 10 years. It's I, a cat sushi. Cat That's really sushi. odd. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Perfect, perfect. Okay, good. So we have uh, two minutes left, and um, I just want to, you know, I mean, I, this is not something I can say thank you for and really have it. It's beyond words, and I'm very, very grateful, and I will... I'm really glad we have this recorded. I'm sure I will remember this forever. Me too. This is awesome. And um, I just want to remind people to come to the fucking awesome party. RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash tickets. And uh, I also want to tell them about the really cool show that's on right after this one, Margo. It's called Lost and Rewound. And it's another trip back in time about mixtapes by this really cool guy, uh, Alan Danzinger and Jimmy Hoffman. Alan was at my birthday party, but you you couldn't make it. You, you weren't feeling well. But hopefully you'll meet Alan because he's a very charming, charming, nice, entertaining young man. I like the title, Lost and Rewound. Wound. And uh, he's a big audio tape freak, and he's a funny guy, and he does a lot of interviews and talks to people and plays some really, really cool music. So if you uh, stick around after this, you can hear him, and it will be totally awesome. And then you can forget that the North Koreans are on our ass. The whole point of all of this is just to remember that we, that the, to try to forget, I mean, that the North Koreans are on our ass. Donald Trump, do you hear that? clown car hello hello clown car wake up ah i'm so glad that i got through my birthday in such a nice way this year it was really 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 relaxing and fun the way birthdays should be thank you margo happy birthday lisa 